freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Everybody, welcome to episode number 280 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. And our theme today is Do Victims Even Have Rights? And our guest is Nikki Goser. Nikki is the author of Stalked and Defenseless, How Gun Control Helped My Stalker Murder My Husband in Front of Me. Mm. Nikki is a survivor of a deadly crime in a gun-free zone when she lost her husband in the hands of the stalker. And the current prison system is allowing this stalker to continue to harass her from his prison cell. Welcome back to the show, Miss Nikki. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. You know, I always hate that we have to take you back to the worst moments of your life uh, when we, we get a chance to, to bring you on the show. But it's, it's so important. And it wasn't an event that had a, a start and a stop. This is, this is the rest of your whole life. And if you've been impacted in the ways that you have, there's got to be hundreds, thousands, maybe millions of other people out there. And I think that your voice is, is so important. Um, and I, I do appreciate that you will just keep talking about that, that worst time of your life to help educate others. Well, thank you. I try to do what I can. Well, you do, and you do it so very eloquently And, um, you know, then usually we get to see each other in person once in a while where we get to laugh and hug and enjoy each other. But this year we haven't even had that opportunity. Um, but, uh, you, you do have, um, your story is, is hard. It's difficult. It's heartbreaking, but, um, it's hopeful at each layer that we've talked to you about it. It is still hopeful because you have been able to impact the legislature of the state of Tennessee, where, where this incident happened, and you've been able to get things done as an individual uh, citizen and constituent. And if that's not empowering, I don't know what is for other people to hear. So kind of bring us to, you know, where are we? What, what is your, give us a brief, sorry, brief background of this horror that you've lived and at the hands of this stalker. Sure. Back in 2009, my husband, Ben, was murdered right in front of me by a man who was stalking me. And because of Tennessee state law at the time, I had to leave my legal permitted firearm that I normally carried for self-defense locked inside of my vehicle. Of course, the man who was stalking me did not have a permit to carry. He brought a gun into a gun-free zone illegally. 
And when I asked management to remove him because I realized I was being stalked, they went to confront him and they asked him to leave. And at that point, he pulled a 45 from a shoulder holster underneath his jacket, came up behind my husband, shot him in the head, and then stood over Ben and continued to fire six more rounds into him in front of everyone, in front of security cameras. And I will probably wonder for the rest of my life if I could have prevented that, but I'll never know because I was denied a chance. I was stalked and defenseless. So I've tried to educate people as best as I can about the real dangers of gun-free zones and how they leave good law-abiding people helpless, defenseless. And meanwhile, those with evil intent, I think are actually drawn to these places because what better place to attack someone successfully than where you know they can't protect themselves. So um, yeah, I've just done what I can to educate people, but my story goes even further. It has continued. Um, I found out that my stalker, he, he was convicted of second degree murder. Unfortunately, degree. yeah, unfortunately it was a bench trial. There was no jury. The murderer gets to choose that. And the judge, his name is Seth Norman. He is notoriously known around Nashville for being a drug court judge. And he's very lenient on drug offenders, which is fine. You know, drug offenders can rehabilitate and rejoin society. But Seth Norman got a murder case. He got my husband's murder case. And he dropped it from first degree premeditated murder to second degree despite all of the overwhelming evidence, when the police searched that man's vehicle at the crime scene, they found two more guns, ammunition, a baseball bat, binoculars, gloves, rope, and a knife. Mm. So um, he only got 23 years in prison at 100% with no parole. However, um, he's been allowed to earn early release good behavior credits, and he's already earned the max, which is three and a half years. So his release date, his early release date is now October 21st, 2028. I've learned that he has been sending me twisted letters from prison and he's been doing this for years. What he does is he sends them to my former attorney that I used for my wrongful death suit against him, which I won, but he's indigent. So I get nothing. And, um, there were actually two letters that were sent before the murder trial had even taken place. And of course, when my attorney told me, I was just a hot mess. And um, so I notified the prosecutor, the detective, the victim witness coordinator. I sent them copies of the letters. I said, I need this to stop. There need to be extra charges. Maybe I need a restraining order. And nothing ever happened. Nothing came of it. There were no charges filed, no restraining order. And so, at that point, I gave up. And I told my attorney, look, please just don't tell me. I can't handle this. Mm. Like, just, just don't tell me. So he honored that request mm. for years. He did not tell me. And these letters continued to come. And then how did you find out uh, eventually that there's this pile of harassment, continuing harassment, uh, at this lawyer's office? 
So I contacted um, my former attorney because I was working on writing my book, Stalked and Defenseless, which is right here. You can find it at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I contacted him because I needed information to help me, you know, write the book. Nice. And that's when um, he told me about all of these other letters. And of course, you can imagine my reaction. Absolutely. I, shock it's like you know that there's a possibility the letters could be there mm-hmm. but you hope yeah that there's not that they're not there it's, yes it's kind of a <clears throat> it's it's a real mixed emotion it's like how do I explain this so a lot of people have said well how in the world did those letters get out of the prison you know um, prisons shouldn't allow that. They shouldn't allow these letters to get out. And at first I agreed at first, I was like, yeah, that's wrong. You know, why in the world would a murderer, a stalker be able to write their victim letters to harass them? Yes. But then the more I thought about it, I I thought, you know, yes, it's, it's traumatizing. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's disturbing. Mm -hmm. Yes. I have nightmares. Yes. It's done a lot of things to me, both mentally and emotionally. But I, at the end of the day, I think it's important that victims know, because if those letters were not allowed out, I would have no idea that this man is so twisted Mm -hmm. and obsessed and fixated. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know about this threat. Mm -hmm. And as much as it is devastating, victims need to be able to make the best decisions for themselves and their safety. And how can you do that if you don't know? Absolutely. It, it, what's maddening to me is that at the exact moment that he is earning early release credits for good behavior, he is exhibiting the same kinds of bad behavior that he was that put him there. You know, this obsessive, I mean, is there, I'm not, I don't know how, how much you know about um, what he has to do to, to, get to his release date but is he required to get any kind of psychological counseling here's the thing as victims we're not told anything about the offender we're not told anything about any types of treatment that he may or may not be receiving Mm. um we're totally in the dark about any treatments or or any anything that they are doing to try to uh minimize recidivism we just, oh, there's my cat. That's marble. <laughs> Hi, beautiful. You're making your first TV appearance. Yes. Now internationally famous. Marble, did you say? Marble, yeah. She um she was a stray that I have adopted. She's, she's so precious. beautiful. Oh my goodness. So well, he he's she's out comfortable on camera. So we'll just let uh the kitty sit there and go ahead, Dan. I'm so sorry. he's Nikki, he's out in the on 28, the year 28, right? Yes. And it's absolutely terrifying. I, you know, would be. I, I tell people, I'm like, I don't want you to be in my shoes, but just for a moment, put yourself in my shoes. Like, how would you feel? What would you want done? How would right. you address this? Yeah. Right. And I, and I look at it as this. Okay. So if, if he didn't show any uh, of those letters and he didn't write the letters and he just did good things in prison to try to re- make his time earlier, you'd think, okay, 
he's done with that. He, he's bad, but he's done with that. I don't have to worry about him anymore. But with him doing this, he's amplifying it. He's almost telling you that when he comes out, he's going to be your best friend. Oh, yeah. You know, or and, something. Because he's crazy. He's he's mixed up. I want and, him to stay the hell away oh, from me. Oh, of course you do. But <laughs> like he do, he doesn't think that. I mean, obviously he's not on the same page we are, and they should they should consider that before they let him out. Well, you're very, very, I'm just telling you straight up, this guy is a very, very dangerous person. Oh, it absolutely. Like not only did he kill your husband, he was going to kidnap you. Well, think rope. about this. I mean, here's someone that stalked me, murdered my husband in front of me, and he did it in a very public place. He did mm -hmm. it in the middle of a busy restaurant in front of 50 witnesses and security cameras knowing full well you know i'll go to prison for this like that law did not against murder mm -hmm. did not deter him mm -hmm. now he's in prison for that crime mm -hmm. and he's engaging in another crime this it's a federal stalking crime what he did i mean it's a felony he he could get five years in federal prison okay. on top of the state prison time for this and they won't do anything. This is someone who is exhibiting behaviors of someone that will not be stopped by the law. And that is terrifying. I mean, can you guys imagine how you feel? Like no place is safe. He'll exactly. do it out in, in the middle of a public place. Like nothing will stop him. It's right. terrifying. It is terrifying. And so, um, you know, for the people out there that are in a similar situation, you know, whatever that looks like or feels like for that person, uh, do they have to just take it? They have to just sit there and, and hope for the best? Or can they follow your example and use every tool at their disposal to push back and change the laws and try to get some uh, tools and rights on the side of the victims. Talk to us about this, this latest push that you have going to try to protect not only yourself, but other people who are in the same situation. Sure. Well, first I'll tell you that um, I hired an attorney as soon as I found out about the letters and um, tried to have his early release um, good behavior credits revoked. And nothing seemed to work. Like they just weren't taking it seriously. And they weren't seriously looking at revoking his, his credits, even though I showed them proof of what he had done. They said that, um, you know, prisoner rights advocates would get, would get upset if you revoke early release credits from an inmate. And then I kept pushing and pushing. And they said, well, you know, we can't revoke credits because he's not been charged. So, you know, waiting. But you have waiting. the letters, you have the evidence, and he hasn't been charged. Mm -hmm. Well, so then I got desperate. Like nothing was happening, no charges were happening. And finally, I just went to the media. Mm -hmm. I've got to do something. This is wrong. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to the media. And mm -hmm. as soon as they ran that uh, report, they actually just ran the teasers for the actual report. And I got a call from the U.S. Attorney's Office. They had the case and they were going to charge him 
So he has officially been charged now. What happened was the federal agents went into the state prison, arrested him inside of the prison, <laughs> transferred him over to the federal courthouse where he had his first hearing. We've had the preliminary hearing and then they've taken him to the federal prison. So he's, he's being held um, by the U.S. Marshals right now, awaiting his uh, uh, hearing. Mm -hmm. It goes before a grand jury sometime in March. But um, so I'm still going to push for those early release good behavior credits to be revoked because that's incredibly wrong. He is breaking mm -hmm. a federal law and you're going to let him out early? No, that's not acceptable. I'm so you could take away his three years of uh, good behavior, and plus he could get five more years for for stalking by mail. From yeah, the three, and, three and a half years early release <clears throat> credits, and then five years federal time. And, you know, I'm sure to some people they think, oh, he's in prison, you know, he, he can't hurt you. Let me tell you, those letters did a lot of psychological damage, you know, mental yes. and emotional Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, he can't get his hands physically on me while he's in prison, but these offenders can still do a lot of damage. And um, so then um, because of that news report, um, there's a representative here in Tennessee, William Lamberth. He has actually um, decided to sponsor a lifelong order of protection bill. Oh, wow. Um, after seeing my story. And I think it's really needed because in extreme cases like this, there is absolutely no reason why that man should ever, ever come around me or my loved ones. He should never try to contact me. And if he does, there needs to be serious repercussions. He, he needs to answer to the law, be arrested quickly. Yes. And um, hopefully, you know, here's what I fear. I fear that I am being put into a situation where, you know, you guys know that I carry a gun every day for my own self-defense and I take it very seriously. I've taken lots of training. Um, but even with that training, I always feel like I need more training. Like, yes, <laughs> I, I just need to, you need to really, um, train and, you know, don't, don't get complacent on that training, but my situation is very real. And, um, I don't ever want to have to use that gun ever. Mm -hmm. You know, if I can avoid it, that's what I want to do, but I will use that gun to protect myself and my loved ones. I will not hesitate to do that. Yes. Um, if I feel like my life is threatened and I'm just being honest with you. If he ever came around me, I would feel like my life was threatened. Mm -hmm. So I think with a lifelong order of protection, that would be a pretty darn good defense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. And it's, it's abundantly clear. You've made it abundantly clear in every way, shape or form, even by trying to hopefully get the, a, a new law passed, but, you know, at least trying to get a law passed that, you know, he is not welcome. You have said no, no means no. And you know, if, you know, clearly he's somebody that, that doesn't get that the laws include him, right? Well, I think what's abundantly- Except for the protection of the, the laws that are, you know, putting him and his welfare above you and your welfare. So I, I, I think that you have been so mindful about this and so uh, 
I mean, the amount of stick to that this has taken for both layers of this, because you even, you know, going back to when this incident first happened, you were, you were a trained and armed, responsibly armed citizen. And because you were a responsibly armed citizen and law abiding, you left your tool of defense outside of the restaurant because he didn't care about laws. He came in with the tool that he used to murder your husband. So you went and you got that particular law changed uh, in Tennessee. So you have done everything that you can uh, to, to fight in the, in the legal ways to do this. And it shows people that, you know, it can be done. We get tired of the media, but you were able to use the media for, for good, right? We get frustrated with politicians, but you're able to, you know, not just give up because, you know, you don't get a yes the first time. You're such an inspiration, Nikki. I'm so, so thankful to know you and and that we have this opportunity to help others know the fight that you fought and that you, you haven't won at every turn, but you didn't give up. Yeah. It, what is that saying? Hell hath no wrath like that of a woman scorned. I just, (laughs) you know, I just didn't want to give up. I'm, I'm not going to give up. And I, I think you have to be stubborn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see there are a lot of problems still that yeah. need to be addressed and laws that need to be changed and protection for people. And look, I know that a restraining order or an order of protection, it's only a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I think that this man is just evil enough to walk right through that piece of paper. I'm just being honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean that that law is not needed. I think mm-hmm. it's still needed, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not naive. I know what I'm dealing with here. Mm-hmm. So, well, but it's, I, off, it's clear that this man, when he gets out of prison, there's no magic wand that's going to make him be a saint. He's, he doesn't care about the law. And so by having the restraining order, lifetime restraining order, pretty well, gives you justification right to take care of what needs to be done if he happens to continue to stalk you and approach you right you would hope so of course you know i i would always tell people that if you can avoid having to absolutely use a gun to protect yourself you know try to avoid that but there are certain situations that are pushed upon you and you're put in right. a corner and if you fear for your life or your loved ones you know yeah well that's why sometimes you have to take those steps that's why it's a tool of self-defense and right. and i know that that's what you train for is to defend yourself not to be the aggressor in any way but you know you make such a good point just with who you are that i mean you you are not a, a uh, woman of large stature. Let me put it that way. You are a, a small framed female. You're not terribly tall. And if, if this man that has already shown us, he has murderous intent, um, were to, you know, physically attack you in some way, what, what 
are your options, right? Right. That's why our second amendment is so important. You know, what is a woman like me supposed to do in a situation like this? If I didn't have um, my gun rights, the basic human right of self-defense, how would I protect myself from someone this evil? And unfortunately, there's evil out there. And I don't want people to be paranoid, but I do want you to be prepared because unfortunately there is evil out there. And I learned that evil can show up in the middle of a busy restaurant. Yeah. Well, Nikki, you're a very strong woman and the things that you've gone through and the things that you're doing is, is helping several other people, you know, probably thousands of other people by doing what you do. So thank you for doing that. You know, some well, people just locked themselves away and you didn't, you came out strong and <clears throat> are doing for what's right. Absolutely. So talk to us again about uh, your book, because I mean, it's an inspirational story. It's a horrible story. (laughs) It's a heartbreaking story, but it's an inspirational story. And I I do want to encourage people to, you know, spend the time and, and read about what your story was, because I know it can encourage others to who feel like they're helpless, who feel like they've tried everything, right? And, and the law won't listen and help and the media won't listen and help. Well, somehow they have helped Miss Nikki Gozer and it was because you didn't give up. So tell us again about your book. Sure, it's called Stalked and Defenseless, How Gun Control Helps My Stalker Murder My Husband in Front of Me. You can find it at um, Amazon or at Barnes and Noble. There's a picture of Ben and I. Aww. But um, yeah, it was, you know, it started out as sort of a diary, just a way for me to deal with all of the emotions and the trauma. And, um, you know, I I just decided, you know what, maybe some people can learn something from this, especially women. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you have any ladies in your life, you know, um, whether it's your daughter or your daughter-in-law, your mother, your sister, mom, whoever, Um, and maybe someone doesn't understand why you carry a gun. Um, this book would, this book would be good for them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then, uh, just one more point about, uh, the subtitle where you say how gun control helped the wrong side, helped the murderer. You know, there's all these new bills that are being suggested and, and written and pushed, you know, coming federally from the the Biden-Harris administration, state level all over the nation, all kinds of ways that that laws are trying to be used to make it harder for people to own firearms and defend themselves. So, but the average person who really, you know, doesn't study this stuff, isn't in the conversation about two a you know, Second Amendment advocacy all the time, they hear gun control, they don't think anything bad about it. They think, oh, well, that's for gun safety. That's for the children. That's to make us safer. What, what can you give people, especially there's eight and a half million brand new gun owners out there, right? They had to have had something in their mind when they went and, and purchased a gun. Um, something felt unsafe to them. There was sure. some reason that they decided they needed that. I think that a lot of people were scared by a lot of these riots and violence that they've seen all over the news this, this past year. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't 
really think about their own personal safety until something scary happens, until they are actually scared for themselves. And I'd like to think that people would just want their basic human right of self-defense and appreciate the second amendment for what it is. But a lot of people don't appreciate it until they get scared themselves. And I would really tell those people that, um, yeah, it's great that you went and bought yourself a gun, um, get the training mm -hmm. and start standing up for the second amendment. If you want to keep your gun rights, if you want to keep your ability to protect yourself and your loved ones, you need to start standing up for the second amendment. Absolutely. Cause good heavens. If we are one of those people that has an incident and realizes, wow, I really do want to be able to protect myself with that particular tool of self-defense and we haven't stood up for our rights, it, it, it might be too late. And those rights might be obliterated by the time you realize that. And, and people like you, Nikki, are, are trying to help make sure that doesn't happen. As we just go out here, Miss Nikki Gozer, uh, tell us, you know, how people can follow you. Um, you know, you do a lot of work for uh, rights advocacy. Um, and so just tell folks a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, well, I'm executive director for the Crime Prevention Research Center, and you can find our website at crimeresearch.org. And um, we basically look at um, gun laws, gun control laws, and you know various laws across the uh, nation and how they impact crime rates. And um, we have a lot of useful information um, for your next debate with your gun control friend. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much for all that you do. We will be checking back in to see how that bill is coming, that lifelong order of protection. Um, Representative William Lamberth in Tennessee, right? Yes. So maybe he needs a few letters and calls uh, so people can reach out and let him know, hey, this is something that, that is needed in, in our state, right? Yeah, well, he knows it's needed. Um, I just hope that, you know, more Tennessee representatives sign on um, to that, that bill. So um, yeah, William's great. He's a great legislator and I really appreciate him sponsoring that bill. I think it's really important. Absolutely. All right, thank you so much. Goodbye to you and uh, Marble. Marble, Marble the <laughs> kitty cat. All right, thanks so much, Miss Nikki. Thank you, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I, I, I'm like really mad right now. Yeah, I can tell by your body language. Murderers. <laughs> First of all, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. In Dan's land, mm -hmm. he would have never went to jail. Well, there was no opportunity for anything else. <clears throat> she no, was no, disarmed I, in a restaurant. In Dan's land, he, he chose not to be, and. And so what happens? The bad guys win when we do stuff in like Dan's that. In Dan's land, a man that walks up beside behind somebody and shoots him in the head mm -hmm. doesn't spend much time in jail. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I don't know what that okay. means. What, but, what that um, means is, no, what that means is he he should have been punished. He should have been, I, I'm, I'm an eye for an eye guy. Like you're saying he, there should have been maybe a death penalty. Death penalty, yes. Because Obviously. he ends up getting a, a judge. And that is one of and the things second that's of all, so frustrating. If is, they slip by that part and yeah. don't get the death penalty yeah. and the quick death penalty. Yeah. But if they slip past that, what rights? 
That's you have thing. signed so, your rights away when you pulled that trigger. Well, because you took the other person's everything right. away. So you don't have. So, any. but how does a judge? I think she said his name was Seth Norman. How does a judge get to just be the only person who weighs in? There, she said there was no jury, and well, this judge. But the 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 murderer got that choice. He says whether it's a judge or jury, and he chooses a judge. Okay, that's true. That's, I did hear that's her say a that. Right. That is a right you and, have until you're convicted. And so did he get to kind of handpick the judge, I wonder, because if he was looking for somebody who would be lenient. But but then we go back to the judge and we go, how do you look sleep at, at night. how do you sleep at night? How do you look at this video evidence, all the people who were eyewitness to the rope this in the car that you know thing. it looks to but, so that stuff he could he could say well i was I know. you know going hunting or i was you know something like that but I, i'm talking about the actual what we saw him do right how does a judge see that and go you know what let's go second amendment or second amendment second degree <laughs> second, second degree. degree murder and then how does the the whole prison system give this guy credits for good behavior when he's not exhibiting good behavior he's exhibiting exhibiting the same behavior that ended up leading to him being there Cheryl, in the first place he has rights so does and he wasn't so i know that he shouldn't have rights. he sh he lost his rights mm -hmm. when he became a felon i don't get it where people think that felons have rights if you do a violent crime that was a violent crime i'm sorry it, it would have never got to where we had to worry about his rights. Mm -hmm. It's just not right. Okay. Yeah. It, nobody asked him to do that. He did it on his own. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's, I'm. And, this makes is, me, and then you look at Nikki. She will never, ever be able to sleep good at night. Mm -mm. Ever, ever. Even while he's in jail. Could he escape? Will he get out early behavior? Will they let him out because of COVID? All of these things that happen. Right. So I've, I've, and all the lives that this man, yeah. this murderer has impacted. So Nikki's husband, Ben, you know, he Your had, family. yeah, he had family, parents, brothers, sisters. I, I don't know exactly, but, you know, and now Nikki, you know, her family unit, her parents, and how do they not feel that they could be the next target? Right. So Nikki surely feels like she's a target because she has plenty of reason to. But since he, uh, the, the murderer went after her husband, um, why would we not believe that he would do that? Right. Wouldn't do that to her family members. Anyway, it's a horrible situation. And we get either, if it's federal prison, we all get to pay for him to be there. Or if it's state prison, then yeah. they get to pay for it. But she is an effective person. Oh, when she sets her no. mind to something, she... I'm not ever going to be in her bad side. I know. <laughs> she's she's going to win. Yeah. And she just, um, you know, she's soft-spoken, but she is determined. She does not give up when she sees that th this should not be the case. How is it possibly the case there's got to be a way right. because we are a government, a representative government of, for, and by the people, right? She's, uh, and she's just wonderful. I, I really admire her. She's also one of our fellow DC project delegates um, that, that advocates for the second amendment. 
We are women for gun rights, women for pro-self-defense, women for pro-freedom. And, um, you know, she fights for that every single day. And I, so I just you, admire. So you say the thing about two and a half million gun owners. All right, t tell that story because right now it really fits in this program. Oh, for sure. And it's a statistic that's real. It's factual. It's based on real life human beings, just like uh, Miss Nikki. She would have been one of the two and a half million times every single calendar year that firearms are used to help save and preserve life. She would have been in that statistic if she had not been disarmed by bad laws. But instead, now the other side that hates our gun rights gets to say, use her husband's death, her husband's murder as one of the times where gun violence, right? That they're trying to prevent by disarming the people that are there to help preserve life. It's like this sick, twisted, a little cycle. But, but yes, two and a half million yeah. times every year, a life was saved or preserved because there was a responsibly armed citizen on the scene. And one more statistic, 200,000 times each calendar year, a woman prevents a sexual assault because she was responsibly yeah. armed. These are powerful, real-life examples that somehow we just never get to hear about, but we do get to hear about all the times when, uh, you know, murderers do the wrong things with guns. Right. And just keep in mind that the politicians that try to take away our guns from us, those politicians that don't want us to have a right to defend ourselves, do not care about you. Mm -mm. No. They don't. If you think they do. But wait, do they care about the children? It's always for they the don't. children. They don't. They don't care because... I mean, obviously, you have a, a, a bar or a restaurant that says no guns allowed because the state says you can't have it because there's alcohol. And they, they still come in and they cause, you know, crimes with firearms. Mm -hmm. That law is not effective. No. And she got it changed in Tennessee. Yes, she did. But there's other states that have issues. We, we, have, we can have it. As long as we're not drinking, we can carry a, a gun in a restaurant or bar mm -hmm. that has alcohol right. as long as we're not drinking it's called a responsible gun ownership exactly just like if you were a designated driver well i'm the designated responsible gun owner so go ahead and have fun anyway the politicians do not care about you Bottom period line. end of end of sentence yes you know what Every single one, every single politician that is in elected office holds an oath, takes an oath to uphold, protect, and preserve this document. This, in my hand, is the United States Constitution and Bill of Rights. And look, I'm going to hold it sideways. You can see this isn't like war and peace, people. This is a very simply written, could you imagine they can't write any bill, any document nowadays without it being like eight gajillion pages. Somehow you need to pass our founders, it, then you read it. Oh my gosh, don't get me started on that. We have to pass it to find out what's in it. Nancy Pelosi, Obamacare, look it up. Um, it takes about an hour, hour and a half to read our entire founding document. How, how brilliant were these people that they could, I mean, they wrestled with each other. You know, they... They went back and forth about how much power the government should have, how much power the individual should have. 
and they they got it written in what is it 49 pages something like that uh, in a pocket constitution take the time to read it and if you're an elected official that you took an oath to protect and preserve it maybe you should take the time to read it because a lot of you out there act like you don't even know it exists so what did you take an oath to protect and preserve really and, and this thing was written for the people not for the politicians yeah that's absolutely. that's amazing that they would say it's not us it's our the people yeah and the people founders. that we serve not the people that we rule exactly see there's no crown on this guy's head no our founders fought, bled, starved, and died for the opportunity to even put quill to parchment to write these documents. Take the hour, hour and a half max. Just read it for yourself so you'll know when you're being fooled and tricked with these uh, new bills, these new laws, these new regulations that are heading our way from not just the federal level, but state level as well. And then talk about it after that. Take it to your poker game. Take it to your soccer game. Take it to your dinner tables. Take it to your kids' conversations on the way to school. Mm -hmm. Talk about it because it's getting buried. Absolutely. And go see it. Absolutely. That's another a thing. Friend, a friend of mine, I saw put a, a post up on um, one of the social media sites because we've all been scattered to the four winds these days. So who knows which one it was, but said that, you know, we've been lifelong hunters as a family, we go out, it's, you know, it's family time, it's a, you're teaching our kids responsibility and focus and follow through and all the things, um, harvesting our own food, uh, respectfully harvesting our own food. And uh, her daughter came home from school the other day, I guess they're actually having real in life, life school, could have been a, a zoom school, I suppose. But uh, she said, she came home from school and said, you know what, mom, I would be willing to give up my hunting rifle and, and never hunt again if it just saves one life. And it's like, Who's, she, what? She was, I know she was like, what just happened? What just dribbled out of my daughter's mouth? What does thing A have anything to do with thing B? Right. right. So this person is willing this young person has been convinced culturally, socially, that if they give up all of this that, that hunting is. They'll uh, save a person. Yeah, somehow that equates to, and, and the point is, well, if we give up our guns, mm -hmm. you know, I can give up my gun if it saves a life. It may cost a life if you give up your gun because you're the responsible person that's going to help preserve life if a bad guy comes your way. Anyway, we're going to get on a soapbox here, but we should probably close. What yes, do you think? I think we close by saying, let's pray for our nation. We do want to pray for our nation, but you know what oh, else? Wait. First of all, we want to thank you for listening to us today. Absolutely. And thank second, you. we want to thank Nikki for being on the show. Absolutely. Nikki, bless you. Be strong. Absolutely. And uh, if you've missed any portion of this episode or want to see all of our episodes, which I kind of hope you do, yes. go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com, click the on-demand tab and binge listen to, to your, your heart's, heart's content, content darling. all of our episodes we have there. Click the guest tab and you'll be able to see photos and bios and links to things like Miss Nikki's book, easy way to, to find where to buy her book. Um, it's an excellent resource. Uh, we have interviewed subject matter experts, uh, extraordinaire, like 
hundreds of them. And it's an incredible resource. We don't hate it when you spend time there. So now what are we going to do? We're going to pray for our nations. Please pray for our nation. What else? We're going to pray for our politicians. Politicians, our representatives, our leaders. Everybody. Everybody. But what if... What about the ones we don't like? Recall. <laughs> Recall Gavin Newsom. Okay. Oh, did what did I say? Can we pray for them while I said, we're recalling did I, them? Did I say Gavin Newsom or did I say for those that are Newsoms? <laughs> I think you said, I think you said in California they're trying Cal- to recall I don't live in Gavin California. Newsom because he's not acting like a representative. But I don't live in California. Why would I be concerned? Uh, because what happens in one state definitely ends up bleeding over into other states and so if people that are behaving as tyrants rather than elected representatives who are yes. not listening to their um constituents yes maybe we would they never need to be recalled maybe not elected in the first place maybe let's right. be proactive and not elect these kinds of and, people in the first place right and i want to say i mean it's not like i'm after a p- certain politician i'm after a what i would say a ruler mm-hmm. when when somebody does something that he does but doesn't allow the public to do mm-hmm. that is a ruler and you are a servant mm-hmm. it's not that i you know i there's a lot of politicians i don't like mm-hmm. but i wouldn't say recall them right you know but this is a ruler it's obvious yeah absolutely but we can still pray yes. for oh yeah i'm gonna pray for them. the ones that we think need to be recalled and maybe you, not elected at all in you the first pray place. for the ones that you pray for the ones that need to be recalled and you pray for the people that recall them Yes. That they get enough votes. Okay, so you pray for both. So basically, we pray for all of them. All, everybody, even the ones everybody. we don't like. You know, this is a serious matter. We should pray. We should pray for our nation. Really strongly pray for what's going on. And you have to pray for the ones that are evil too, because we need them to change. You know, it's it doesn't pray for them to be successful. We pray that they see wisdom and make changes. Mm. Right? Yeah. So Maybe it is especially serious. for yeah. the ones, right. the people. That we, we don't pray like. for them to have wisdom to understand. Be good to each other. God bless. Have a great bye week. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> We're all mixed up today. And God bless. All right. Bye bye.